my friends, your buddy Phil here. I'm here with one of my mentees talking about Agile. And one of the head scratches in the world of Agile is the concept of MVP, Minimum Viable Product. The question of the increment. The question of the release. The question of the feature. The question of MMF and MMP and MBI. Sounds like alphabet soup. But let's get down to the bottom of it on the timeline. When you are at the beginning of a timeline as a product owner, it is your job to understand what value is for the customer. And if you don't have a clear idea of what value is, you need to dig deeper, ask questions, have sessions with the customers where you understand the entire business case for the product. Now, from this, an understanding will come that should be validated and tested. And that understanding is going to be encapsulated and finalized as far as your understanding of what the customer wants when you begin with a minimum viable product. This minimum viable product is a version of the product with the minimum amount of functionality that will enable the client understand if this will solve their problem, if it will be what they're looking for, or in the case of products that we release to the general public, it could be, will this fly in the marketplace? The main thing about MVP is not to be a final solution but it's to be able to discover, is this a viable option that will one, solve the problem, two, fill the need that the client is looking to fill, and three, offer enough value that it will make sense for us to even release this thing in the marketplace. So the main thing you're looking to get is feedback. Anyone releasing an MVP for any other reason than feedback is putting the cart before the horse because that is the purpose. When my buddy Roy and I teach this, we look at the MVP as being any tool that we can use to get that feedback. It doesn't even have to be a full-blown product with a whole bunch of functionality. It could be a simple survey to get an idea. Now, a lot of the Puritans in Agile, they argue about this. They said, no, it must be a product. It must be a product that has some functionality. But when my buddy Roy and I teach this, we beg to differ and we give an example. For example, Uber Eats. If you want to test if Uber Eats is going to fly in the marketplace, don't go off building an entire portal like Uber has right now. Start off with a simple survey asking, will you be interested in a sweaty driver that you've never met before bringing food to you on your doorstep? And if the answer is uh, no, then it probably will not fly in the marketplace. But if someone says, no, I, I don't care, it's wrapped, the food is in a package, I'll eat it, then that is the beginning of the concept of MVP because you didn't have to go off and build all this infrastructure before you understood if it will fly in the marketplace. So sometimes it's the validation of an idea, it could be a simple survey. Another example is the lady at the mall that's holding a tray with a cocktail stick on it and there's a sample. It's there for a reason. It's kind of like some early feedback, like an early test of the market to see if it will fly in the marketplace. So that's the concept of MVP. 
If an MVP is given to a client, yes, it may offer some immediate value, but the real purpose is for the feedback that you are going to get. You get the feedback, tweaks, adjustments, things that need to be done. Then you go back. And in the next round of whatever you're doing, your subsequent increments are things that you are actually going to keep building on. Remember the MVP, we look at it as some approach to early feedback through prototyping, an early version with enough functionality, but it's for your feedback. So does, does that make sense overall? The concept, good. So when you've got the MVP, the minimum viable product, then you know, oh great, so this is what we need to build, these are the tweaks we need to make, then you begin building out the product. Let's call it a product. Let's say it's a cake. So maybe there's three tiers in the cake. You build the first tier. Are you going to release that first tier of cake to the customer? Maybe if the customer is dying of hunger, but if it's for a significant ceremony, you're not going to release one tier of cake. There are three tiers. So the first increment could be the first tier of cake. Second increment could be the second tier and the third increment. And these are all sprints. So sprint one, tier one, sprint two, tier two, sprint three, tier three, and maybe there's a sprint four. Now observe, they are all increments. They are all functional. They can be eaten, but you're not going to release them until you have got enough functionality, which is what the customer is looking for. So you get your three tiers, you do a fourth sprint where you have the ice in, the figurines and all of the embellishments. And at sprint four, now you can release that final thing. And it could be, maybe there's a series of cakes. Maybe there's 10 cakes like that. Well, that would mean 40 sprints and you're gonna be releasing every four sprints. And that's the idea about when you release. Releases have a buildup of increments. So you could release one increment, but the question is, is there enough functionality? It also boils down to the product owner taking a look at the backlog and saying, we absolutely need to get something to the customer now. So we're not gonna wait until we got all four sprints done. That first increment is gonna be released to the customer. And that's okay. And that's what I was gonna ask you. So the release can be defined um, Release will happen. Absolutely, and you and should. And you have that idea through the refinement of the product backlog. Good question. So it's up to the product owner to know their product as sufficiently well. So early on in the process, you want to take a look at all of the streams of value that this product is meant to offer. Remember, your product backlog is not just a blob of work, it's actually broken down to the sufficient level of detail. Remember, one of the things that we talk about in prioritizing the backlog is you got to prioritize by value, you got to prioritize by urgency, you got to prioritize by risk. So there are many parameters for you as a product owner to get your product backlog uh, straight. But when your product backlog has been properly broken down and you've gotten some measure of prioritization, then you've got an idea of what is like really important, what is critical, 
what needs to be released first, if that makes sense. So based on your product backlog and how you as a product owner, your stakeholders, and even team members who could be involved in that, you know, even though you as a product owner, you are accountable, that's not to say it's, you don't have discussions with the business. You are always trying to learn the mind of the business. And when you learn the mind of the business as a product owner, you got to go back to your product backlog and you're going to make tweaks. You're going to make adjustments as needed. You got to, as you said, do your refinement. So based on your refinement, it's going to become more apparent what should be release one, what should be release two. And this is not rote, even though in the very beginning, as you're working with your stakeholders, you should first of all have what we call a vision that comes first. In the world of project management, you'll hear them say a project charter, and it's okay. There's some organizations, they still use chartering. There's nothing wrong in having a charter for an agile endeavor. A charter just clarifies the vision so that team members understand what it's all about. So you've got a vision. This is not talked about in the world of Scrum. It is not talked about in the world of Kanban very much, but this is just business 101, common sense business 101. You talk to people in the business, they're not just going to fly by the seat of their pants doing random stuff. They want charters. They want business cases, and that's okay. So you have, in the beginning, a vision. Then you build that vision by encapsulating it in a charter. And then your next step will be to begin fleshing out how the product will be released in a product roadmap. So the product roadmap shows you the sequence and the timing of releases. It shows you the sequence and the timing of the sales people, the marketing people. So think about it as a big old high level, real high level Gantt chart on steroids in that it does not show you the lower level detail that happens in the world of project management, no. And that's why we don't call it a Gantt chart, we call it a product roadmap. But the idea is a timeline that shows release one. Release one is gonna be Q1. Release two is gonna be Q2. Release three is gonna be Q3. Release four is gonna be Q4. Marketing efforts for this is going to start in February. Marketing efforts for the other one is going to start here, and so on and so forth. And that's what a product roadmap does for you. Again, we don't talk about product roadmap in the Scrum Guide, which is why a lot of people get certified, but they forget what they learn in the training. And that's why there needs to be constant reminders of the more businessy side of things, especially from a product owner standpoint. You know, so in the, in the career of an agilist, some of us are more given towards product ownership because we are in line with the business. We know what they want. We understand their stories. We understand even at the epic level, we got the whole idea and we gravitate more towards that role of a product owner. But some of us are more of the scrum master who is looking to support and to serve and to encourage and to streamline and to coach. And it's okay. But if you are a product owner, you got to understand the concept of the vision, understand the concept of the roadmap, and understand that in your roadmap, you're showing releases, you're showing iterations or sprints, if you will. You're showing those chunks of functionality, those features, the iterative release, if you will, of things over time. You as a product owner need to have that down pat for your products. Now, when you understand the concept of 
product roadmap in, and then you get into where you're going to release your MVP to your customer, and then you get the feedback, you should have an idea of the overall sequence. The only thing is that in the world of Agile, it's not etched in stone like we do in the world of predictive. So even though you've got an idea of the MVP, when it's gonna be given to the customer, the feedback, how you're gonna inject that back into the process, remember it's very fluid and dynamic. So it's not on, on clock, like linear, okay? Then when you've got this understanding of MVP, the other thing you should have an, as an Agilist is understand the minimum business increment. Because if you work in a business, in a company, and there's an internal solution, or maybe even external, but let's say internal solution for your company, you got to understand what is the minimum business increment that we can release to this business unit for them to begin to reap the benefits of this solution or for them to at least understand if this will solve their problems. So minimum business increment is what we use in the world of business, very similar to the concept of MVP. It's really just for feedback. Now, in the world of products, we use the term MMF, minimum marketable feature. So when you have the MVP, that's just stage one, okay? We know this product is gonna fly in the marketplace, great. But what is the minimum marketable feature? In other words, what are the minimum amounts of features that we need to release into the marketplace on the first go round? You see, so MMF, what is the minimum marketable feature set that we need to release into the market? Like when Steve Jobs is looking at the iPhone or the iPad, you know, he's thinking, okay, it doesn't make sense to release the iPhone with just a phone capability. The minimum marketable feature is gonna be the phone capability, the internet capability, the iPod is gonna be popped into this phone so that it's an all-in-one, and all these other features, we're gonna have an app store. And that is the MMF, that's the concept. So the very first release into the market, we have a term for it. When you release those features, we call the very first release, if you will, an MMP, Minimum Marketable Product. So the minimum marketable product for the iPhone was a collection of, you can call someone, you can have iMessage, you can go on an app store. You can buy songs, you can download stuff, you can take photos, such and such. So that's a very robust assortment for an MMP, but that's how the iPhone was. So look at that as an example, minimum marketable product. What is the minimum amount of product that we're gonna put into the marketplace on the first go round? Now, for subsequent releases of features, the question isn't gonna be what is the MMP? No, that's already done on the first go round. Subsequently, you're gonna have an MMF, minimum marketable feature. The only thing is that the first time you release into the market as a product, that's your really your first MMF. We don't call it an MMF, we call it an MMP because it's the introduction of the product. When the product is airborne in the marketplace, like the iPhone has been now for over a decade, the question is, what is the next set of features that we're going to release, the next MMF. So subsequently, you're building on your MMP for the life of the product by introducing 
a new MMF. A new MMF. Does that make sense? It does, but there's the No, it's not a collection of MVPs, but the MVP is the base. So there would have still been an MVP before the MMP. So there's an MVP to get the ball rolling. Okay. When the ball is rolling, you now have an idea that this product will fly in the marketplace. Then your question needs to be, okay, what is the MMP? What's the MMP? Okay. And then subsequently, what is the MMF? And you know what the MMF is? A minimum marketable feature sets. Those are just collections of your user stories at the lower level. So when you aggregate the stories in a sensible release, those are features. A feature is just a chunk of work that is broken down into stories, right? So your stories are grouped into a feature for release. You could release 10 features, three features, one feature. It really depends on the feature and it depends on the unique situation, the product owner needs to make that judgment call as to, okay, does it make sense to release uh, these three features as one release or this one feature as one release? So it's up to the product owner. A lot of this stuff is very situational and dependent on the product owner's propensity and the business. So the product owner is getting... Exactly. How much control, how much understanding, how much leeway, you know, the can the business allow because sometimes it's critical that we have just some functionality. We cannot wait until the grandiose idea of having five feature sets. No, we want one feature set right now and m probably make the releases more frequent. So yeah. there's this misnomer that we need to wait till the end of the sprint before we can release any increments. That's not true. There could be incremental releases all through the sprint. There are companies such as the likes of Amazon and Apple and Spotify that are releasing hourly. Some companies are releasing uh, every minute, every few minutes. So it really depends on the unique circumstance, the product, and the nature of the features. But that's really the beginning of this whole topic of the role of the product owner. Because the product owner needs to be all over the MVP, the MMP, the MMF the MBI and, and all that stuff. Does, does that help clarify? Yeah, it does. I mean, that's definitely the area that I need mm -hmm. more. Good deal. Good deal. All right, my friends. Well, you were able to listen in through the grapevine. You heard me mentoring and coaching one of our CSM Scrum Masters. We have a lot of Scrum Masters that come through the PLI and they get trained and coaching and mentoring. And if you haven't checked out my new book, which is called Scrum Mastery, Five Levels of Leadership for Agile Success. We're having a webinar on the 22nd of March. Wanna look out for that because you're gonna learn a lot. My buddy Roy is also gonna be there. And we're gonna be talking to Scrum Masters who are just getting into this world for the first time and who are curious to know how things work because there's a lot that happens under the hood. You don't see it in the Agile Practice Guide for those of you that are from that world. You don't see it in the Scrum Guide. And honestly, if, if you are not from any of those worlds, it's even harder for you to understand how everything fits. All right, so going down to uh, the site, I'm gonna put a link uh, next to this, and I look forward to seeing you in some further discussions about the world of Agile and Scrum. Thank you, you take care, and thank you to my mentee for letting me do this. Bye for now.